Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 79 of the Social Liability Podcast, the podcast where we discuss those folks in our lives that violate the social contracts that we all agree to live by. I am your host, the Rasgrees, with my co-host, the Buck Rundle, bringing you new and interesting stories from the far reaches of the internet. It's amazing, Buck, how we started, and the, the intro changed a little bit every time, and now we've kind of got to the point where it, it's pretty fluid. Uh... With one of my other podcasts that I had, the, the Mount Moon Review podcast, we would literally take half an hour every before every episode to come up with a new opening for every single episode. I'm so glad we didn't do that. Yeah, I mean, we're we're 79 weeks in, man. I mean, that 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 would be a real freaking chore. I'm I'm kind of glad that you nailed it down to what we have. Indeed. Uh, so while uh, while we have all these stories to go by. We have some very interesting ones this week, Buck, uh, including uh, some people that inserted stuff into their rectums, some people that have epic battles with snakes, and people making arrests that maybe should be arrested themselves. But let's get right into it as we start out with a bomb squad has been called to a hospital after a man gets World War II mortar stuck in his rectum. This is in uh, Gloucester, England? We're just going to say England. A bomb disposal team was called to an English hospital Wednesday after a man arrived with an unexploded World War II mortar stuck in his rectum. According to The Sun, the patient was a military enthusiast who had the round as part of a private collection. He said he put it on the floor when he slipped and fell on it. (laughs) Let's just stop right there for a minute, Buck. Do Do we believe that in any way, shape, or form? You know what? I mean, no. No, no, I don't. And I will get into my speculations uh, as to what actually happened as soon as we get more information. Continue. Well, continuing on. As the police responded to the report of a patient that had presented with munition in his rectum, later identified as the round as a 57 millimeter, 57 millimeter World War II shell that was fired from anti-tank guns. Jesus. The bomb squad with the 11 Explosive Ordnance Disposal Regiment was called in to retrieve the device. The item had been removed prior to the police arrival and the Army's Explosive Ordnance Disposal Team were contacted. Hospital staff were able to remove the mortar from the patient. They confirmed it was not live and therefore not a danger to the public. That's it. <laughs> Dungeon porn. That's all I gotta say, man. Dungeon porn. That's That screams dungeon porn to me every single day of the fucking week. Military enthusiast, literally, my motherfucking ass. No way. 57 millimeters. 57 millimeters. You're, you're telling me you just slipped and fell on that and there's no residual damage? Wait, you, you, no, sir. No. I'm not buying that for a fucking heartbeat. Okay? You've practiced this several times and you like no 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 no, no, no. if i had to guess if they would have if we read the medical report they might say that the presence of lube was detected just saying i i, I don't believe no. <laughs> every time that somebody ever came into a hospital i worked in a hospital setting for years uh every time someone came with something inserted into the a, a cavity of some sort because it wasn't just rectums uh, they would always say they slipped and fell. You know, it, it, it's, it doesn't happen that often in cartoons. It doesn't not happen in real life. 
You know, I don't have the plethora of experience that you do. However, I do have a very good friend named Raz who does. And this is how I know that this man did not fucking fall. I remember you used to have a thing on your personal Facebook page where you used to post every, like, I think it went on every day for months. You're like, you're posting a different picture. It wasn't. It wasn't uh, every day. It was every Saturday, and we. Well, I, every Saturday. I, I put up. Yeah. A, I put up a post that said, "It's time for everyone's favorite daytime fun show. Name that foreign body." And it was always a picture of an X-ray. Now, I will preface this just to get everybody's rest. Rest assured, these were always images that I got off of uh, different groups. Never from the hospital I worked at. <laughs> and uh, we would put it up there, and you, tr- and <laughs> we would try to. Determine who who guesses what the object is in the X-ray that's inserted into a uh, penis, rectum, or vagina. And well, see, the thing is, though, is that the reason why I brought this up, even to begin with, is because just those those games every week were inspired by real life experiences. Like you know, yeah, the the images may not have been of actual patients because you know privacy and you know laws and rights and things well, they were actual patients just not the patients from the hospital i work just at. not just right that's what i'm saying like you didn't violate anybody's info but you were definitely <laughs> the, like their plights like started to string a song in your heart and all you did was just sing it every saturday <clears throat> we got things from forks to light bulbs barbie dolls gi joes oh it's great now this guy 57 millimeters though man think about it and you just you just fell on it it went thunk. i don't think so sir but uh, you know here's the thing if, if the, fa- <laughs> the the fact that the hospital called in the bomb squad that kind of raises the score a little bit but reality is he only hurt himself um and i guarantee you those people that responded to the the call they knew it was going to be a disarmed ordinance. And even if they didn't, they still have a good laugh about it. So I'm going to only give this guy a two. I, I will co-sign that too. However, I do for like, for like, I, I really, really find myself wanting more here. Like, I want to know how the mortar was positioned. Was he trying to imitate a mortar himself? And that's how he got it stuck in there. Like, did he fall? Like, was it coming face out as if, like, he were going to eject it himself in some fucked up dungeon board game? Like, are we expected to believe that he fell on this on this mortar that way? Like, that's like these are uh, answers. Unfortunately, Buck, we're never going to have the answers yeah. to. Yeah, I know. We got to move on. Well, this, yeah, we got to move on. This comes from NBC News. Maryland home burns down during owner's ill-fated snake fight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A large structure fire that destroyed a Maryland home in November was caused by the homeowner's ill-fated attempt to clear a snake infestation by smoking them out, according to local fire officials. According to a tweet from Peter whatever public information officer from montgomery county fire and rescue service an investigation revealed that the fire on big woods road near poolsville on november 23rd was accidentally caused when the anti-snake smoke source coals came too close to combustibles (laughs) the fire started in the basement walls and floors and then spread upward eventually causing over one million dollars in damages 
Neighbors saw and reported the fire. Nobody was injured. It is believed the heat source was too close to the combustibles, which caused the fire in the walls and ceiling area, unknown and unbeknownst to the owner at the time. Uh, <laughs> describing the destroyed building as very large. The snake, the original culprits of the process, which the homeowner was trying to eradicate from the space using smoke, apparently did not go as planned. Uh, <laughs> that the, the, the homeowner said in a recorded statement on December 3rd. Uh, the homeowner said the insurance investigators had taken over after Montgomery County investigators determined the fire to be accidental in nature. As for the snakes, uh, he thinks that they have all left, <laughs> at least temporarily. I'm not a wildlife expert, but at the time of the fire, some firefighters did see snake skins, while others found one uh, coming out of the foundation. Uh, firefighters moved the snakes that emerged from the burning down home and were able to retrieve it uh, and move it safely to a different environment. Talk about a monumental freaking loss, man. Like, this dude completely crapped out on every single front of this endeavor. <laughs> that is... He only gets a one from me because EMS, like, the fire department had to be called. Like, severe inconvenience to the flow of fucking progress of life for others. But, like, oh my gosh, poor dude, man. But dumb dude. This is true. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he lost a million dollar home. And guess what, folks? Insurance? Not going to pay that out. Nope. No, sir. Uh, so what, what, what's gonna, what score are you giving this dude? I'm only giving him a one. I mean, I'm not gonna like the guy. The, this is how a dipshit learns as a fucking lesson. Is is what this all boils down to? Because this dude should have fucking known better. This dude should have freaking known better. Okay, that's just it. He's got a million dollar home. Why don't you just call an exterminator, bro? I mean, like. I didn't even think about that, dude. But if you have a million-dollar home, you can afford an exterminator. Okay, I'm sorry. Exactly. I mean, I'm sorry. We're not talking about, like, Joe Bob burning down his fucking mobile home. Like, that That would be just something funny of a social liability. But this guy, I'm only still going to stick with the one. Just, be, just because he's that fucking stupid. I'm just not going to kick him any... any I'm just not going to kick him any more in the yeah, balls. I'm, I'm going to take All it... All he did was fuck up himself. I'm going to take it up to a two, because most instances where you hear about in-line-of-death in um, incidents involving firefighters is usually them just responding to the scene or responding to the firehouse in case of volunteers. And Montgomery County does have paid firefighters, but... Um, just them responding to the scene i can imagine you know there's there's a certain aspect of putting people's lives in danger so yeah this did affect others i have to raise it to a two but no more than that right on all right our next story is from law and crime and this (laughs) this one's a little dark buck um so a florida landlord allegedly murdered tenant after he caught him masturbating in the girlfriend's underwear and buried him in the backyard yeah, so there's that. A Florida man was arrested uh, Friday after authorities say they found a body of a missing man buried in a shallow grave in the back of his property. While authorities were not releasing the name of the victim, the sheriff's office said Michael uh, Pritchard 
told several witnesses he killed the other man after catching him masturbating into his girlfriend's underwear. According to a press release from the Collier, Collier County Sheriff's Office, a witness called the station on Thursday and told detectives that Pritchard confessed to killing a man who had previously been reported to authorities as missing. The Naples Daily said that the victim was reported missing by his family. The witness told detectives that 35-year-old Pritchard told him he shot and killed the man and then buried him near the house. The following day, detectives obtained and, ex and executed a search warrant on Pritchard's property at approximately 7.30 a.m. in the Golden Gate Estates. After a brief search of the property, investigators reportedly found the body of the missing man buried in a shallow grave near the residence in the same location where witnesses said Pritchard told him the remains would be. Deputies arrested Pritchard shortly after digging up the body and charged him with one count of felony second-degree murder per the sheriff's office. The sheriff's office said it could not release Pritchard's address because doing so potentially revealed the name of the victim whose identity cannot be disclosed under Marcy's Law, a voter-approved amendment to the Florida Constitution aimed at protecting the privacy of crime victims. While authorities only said that Pritchard and the victim knew each other, Fort Myers CBS affiliate Wink TV reported that the victim was a tenant of Pritchard's who paid rent and lived with him on the property where his body was discovered. According to a copy of the arrest report obtained by the Naples Daily, Pritchard, whose nickname is Loco, <laughs> was said to have a history of erratic and violent behavior. The report also stated that Pritchard told multiple witnesses he shot and killed the victim because he was caught masturbating into Pritchard's girlfriend's underwear. I don't know how many times we have to keep saying that. After being taken into custody, Pritchard was uh, processed and is currently being held in Collier County Jail without bond. Pritchard's latest arrest has not been updated in the Collier County Jail database, but online records show that he was previously arrested in, on January 22nd of 2019 and charged with one count of battery for, for touching or striking another person against their will and resisting a law enforcement officer without violence. The records show he posted bond the following day and appeared in court on February 2nd. The Sheriff's Office did not immediately respond to an email from Law and Crime seeking additional information about the case and Pritchard's previous arrest. Well, that's quite a bit there. So, dude apparently walks in and finds dude jerking it into his pair of his girlfriend's panties or something. Um, and I pronounced the sentence to be death, sir. Yeah, I mean that's 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 really raging the fuck out on somebody. I mean, like, I mean, don't I, get me wrong. He has every every reason to be angry <laughs> right i mean i i, I like, maybe, maybe an ass whooping me, would have been more in order <laughs> yeah man i mean like send a dude like me black eye busted nose some like you know i don't want to say something benign like dude's got to learn his fucking lesson but man you know slam his hand in the cookie jar don't slam his ass in a coffin maybe like, it, maybe, maybe it's pecker in the cookie jar because apparently like putting his pecker yeah, yeah, right just saying. <laughs> Just fucking up and kills him. I, I, I don't even have anything really, like, humorous to digest from this, man. I mean, like, uh, he really, like, he he took it way to, way to the upper decks. Like, wow. Wow. I, I, ooh. 3.5? So, are you out of your mind? I'm, he killed a man. 
He killed a man. He's getting a five all day long. Nah, man, nah, nah. Prime of passion, man. He was probably just having a bad day. I, of course, yeah, I'm drastically underestimating this. I, I wouldn't give it a five though. I'd say a four. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll bump it up to a four. You're entitled to your score. Okay, well, uh, Buck, um, we are of a time period when we grew up with Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator. Uh, we, yes. We grew up in a time with the T-1000. And yeah. unfortunately, we have continued to progress into the modern era of Terminator movies, which are not worth even mentioning. Nor do I even quote anything from them. However, we right. are getting closer to reality as the U.S. rejects calls for regulating or banning killer robots. This is coming from TheGuardian.com. The United States has rejected calls for, for a binding agreement regulating or banning the use of killer robots, instead proposing a code of conduct at the United Nations. Speaking at a meeting in Geneva focused on finding common ground on the use of so-called lethal autonomous weapons, a U.S. official balked at the idea of regulating their use through a, quote, legally binding instrument. The meeting saw government experts uh, preparing for high-level talks at the review conference at the convention of certain conventional weapons from, from the 13th to the 17th of December. In our view, the best way to make progress would be through the development of non-binding code of conduct, U.S. official Josh Dorson told the meeting. The United Nations has been hosting diplomatic talks in Geneva since 2017, aimed at reaching an agreement on how to address the use of killer robots. Activists in a number of countries have called for an all-out ban on any weapons that could result in lethal force without a human overseeing the process and making the final kill order. In November of 2018, the UN chief, Antonio Gutierrez, joined the call for a ban, but so far countries don't even agree on whether there is a need to regulate the weapons. During Thursday's debate, a number of countries, including India and the United States, criticized the idea of a legally binding agreement. Dorison instead issued, um, sorry, insisted a code of conduct would, quote, help states uh, promote responsible behavior and compliance with international law. Campaigners disagreed. Uh, states have a historic opportunity to ensure that meaningful human control over the use of force and prevent a world in which machines make life and death decisions. Uh, an independent process to negotiate a new law on killer robots would be a more effective and inclusive than the current diplomatic talks. Uh, and, and it goes on a little bit for a while here. Um, but, but due to the fact that they are simply saying that they do not want to ban killer robots, tells me we probably already have killer robots. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I have a hard time, like, I think some of these people are a little wacky, you know, he's like, hmm, you know, it almost sounds like, it almost sounds like they're advocating for robot rights or some shit like that. No, 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 like, no. Oh, well, yeah. They just don't want robots making a decision whether someone's going to die. Well, or not. see, I agree with that. See, I, I am like they sound a little bit too granola in my, in my opinion on the, on their way of like presenting that. But me, I, I'm a huge. I, I don't want to say I'm a huge. I just heard about this right now. But I mean, at first glance, 
Like, I'm on board with that. I don't think that robots should be going around flagrantly fucking, like, oh, well, you know, we programmed the robot to... No, 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 no. Send the thing out there to program it to find it and then have somebody push the button. I mean, as like, don't, as don't, Asimov's laws of robotics do not apply here, folks. <laughs> right. I mean, like, if you if you tell a robot to kill, it's gonna kill. And if there's like a bug, like you know, like oh man, like you find out after it goes into like you know a Walmart or something. It's like no, 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 no. no. <laughs> like I I, I kind of I, agree I, with that. I man. think like, we've I think we've already delved into this with the RoboCop movies. <laughs> Right, I mean, you gotta have like, mm, no, I don't know how I'd feel about just not having the human factor in taking a human life. Indeed, like or like, eh. So I'm not even gonna score that one, man. I mean, I'm I'm just I'm I'm not I'm gonna hold I'm gonna hold back on that. I'm gonna wait until we actually see the first killer robot, which apparently does exist, or we wouldn't be fighting it so much, or it's at least in development. Right. Okay, and we're back for the second half of the show, Buck. And we're going to go straight to my favorite state with the Tampa Free Press. And you know what that means. Florida man, Florida man, does whatever the fuck he can. Makes headlines every time. Florida's paradigm. Look out. Here comes Florida man. Indeed, here comes Florida woman as, come on, really? A Florida woman has been charged with shooting a bullet into the front door of her home and then heading to a bar, leaving her baby in the crib home alone. According to deputies, on Thanksgiving night, a call came in from a concerned woman who had gone to check on 37-year-old Victoria Hidalgo and saw a bullet lodged in the front door. What kind of cheap-ass gun did she have or badass door? One of the two. Uh, and a woman told investigators that she called Hildago and she sounded as though she was under the influence of alcohol. End quote. I am sure that's exactly what she said. It was probably, that bitch sounded drunk. <laughs> she then stated she had fired a gun inside the home, prompting the woman to head over and check on her. Deputies said upon arrival, the woman noticed that they had a shared vehicle and it was not in the parking space. She then located the bullet in the front door. She granted deputies access to the residence where they discovered a child left in a crib unsupervised. The child was left in the care of a family member as Victoria's whereabouts were unknown. Major crimes detectives were called to the scene to investigate. During the investigation, detectives learned that the vehicle had been stopped by deputies near the intersection of Point Charlotte Boulevard and Tamani Trail. Victoria was in the front passenger seat of the vehicle with a male identified as Robert Sampson. Victoria's eyes were bloodshot and watery. Her breath smelled of alcohol and her speech was slurred while being questioned. Robert advised that he had just met Victoria at the Paddywagon Irish Pub. Robert said that he did not know Victoria but was concerned that she was going to drive in a very intoxicated condition and was helping her get home safe. But he did not have any knowledge of the situation at home. Victoria was taken into custody and charged with child neglect without great bodily harm. She was taken to the Charlotte County Jail and is currently out on bond in the amount of $3,500. I think that's a little light. Yeah, I mean, some of the, uh, there, there's a huge push in this country for bail reform. Uh, but in situations like this, I'm kind of like, really? <laughs> mm, yeah. 
Like, I think she got off a little easy with $3,500 bail. Yeah. I just... that Like, that's a kid, man. And then you're going around shooting shit? No. No, 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 lady. Like, that, that's a bad move. Bad form. I mean, it could, be I, a, it could be a mental health aspect, but more than likely it's more alcohol-fueled aspect. <laughs> or, or, or a very delicate and volatile combination of both. This but, is true. Uh, Either way, man, you know, I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna have to go with a three point five again on on this one. I know I escalated to a four, but I think there's some mental health there. I really do. And well, if if that was no, I'm if, going no, no, I'm going up to a fucking four, man. This yeah. lady got off light. She she got off fucking light. Well, she no, we don't we, we don't know if she's gotten off yet. But for the time being, um, if if it is a mental health aspect then where are the people in her life that would have been able to identify this and help? So they are, they share some of the liability, in my opinion. So yes, a four is definitely justified. All right, Buck, let's move on to NBCnews.com. Going to go a little lighthearted now. A Lego trafficking scheme of stolen sets were thousands busted brick by brick. That's just dumb. That's dumb. You know what? They, they, get, the, they get the button. <laughs> A Lego trafficking operation was broken up brick by brick after a Seattle shop owner was caught reselling stolen sets worth thousands of dollars. The Seattle Police Department announced the bust on Monday, dubbing their investigation Operation Mandel Organized Retail Theft because Lego was inspired by the Star Wars series The Mandalorian were frequently stolen. Okay, that's just... Stupid. A King County prosecuting attorney on Wednesday charged Mark Stephen Brady, 67, with one count of trafficking in stolen property for allegedly reselling stolen merchandise at his store. Brady told NBC News on Friday that he had not been arraigned yet and his court-appointed lawyer had not yet contacted him, but declined further comment. Trafficking in stolen property is a Class B felony in Washington State, the maximum penalty of which is a 10 years in prison or a $20,000 fine, or both. The San Francisco, or sorry, San Francisco, Seattle Police Department said that they began an investigation after Amazon Four Star, an in-person store owned by... What? An in-person store owned by the online retail giant reported in July that they had been targeted for repeated thefts. Okay, so the actual store is called Amazon Four Star. Okay, whatever. Uh, between July and September, one of the thieves, uh, thieves allegedly stole an estimated $10,000 worth of sets of electronics from the store, according to the criminal complaint. It wasn't until September when an employee from Amazon Four Star entered Rummage Around, a store in downtown Pike Place Market, and noticed that the Lego sets for sale matched the sets stolen from Amazon. He notified the police and a detective went to the store to investigate. While the detective was at the store, the prolific shoplifter arrived and sold multiple items to the store owner. <laughs> the RFID tags from the items matched those from the Rob store, uh, police have said. Police said that their October sting operation, which involved plainclothes detectives selling marked merchandise to Brady, revealed that the store owner allegedly knew he was buying stolen goods to resell. Police were unable to detain the prolific shoplifter who detectives accused of stealing $10,000 in merchandise. After receiving a search warrant on October 15th, authorities raided rummage around and recovered numerous electronics and 171 Lego sets 
34 of which were confirmed stolen from Amazon 4-star and it valued at over $2,000. So the guy was a fence. That's all it is. The guy's a fence. Yeah. The only thing that caught him was the Lego bricks. Okay. But we had to figure out a way to write a story about Lego. So the fact that Legos were being stolen there, not, not to mention all the electronics. This is just bad reporting. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and you know what? I'll just, I'll score this one at a four. And if you want to comment more on it, you can. But I don't, I don't even think the article was, I, that was clickbait. That that, that 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 I don't appreciate that. I'll score it just for continuity purposes. It's retail theft. Um, no physical harm. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a three. And I don't really need to comment much more on it. It was clickbait. Shame on you, NBC News. Shame on you. Who wrote this piece of shit? Tim Fitzsimmons. Tim, you could do better, man. You can do better. Really? Really? All right. Yeah, you know what, Tim, 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 to you especially, I'm also giving you a score of a three. Yeah, get get out of that clickbait shit. All right, this next one is coming from WSC, WSB TV Atlanta Two. Jail inmate sentenced for trying to steal three million dollars worth of heavy equipment while still in jail. Gordon County, Georgia, federal authorities sentenced a Northwest Georgia man charged with running a scheme to steal nearly $3 million worth of heavy equipment while he was still locked up in jail. Damon Thomas Young has been serving a 20-year sentence in Georgia State Prison in Reedsville after being convicted of assaulting an officer and 10 years for violating the state's uh, Racketeering Influence in Corrupt Organizations Act. He's a mobster! <laughs> Young has, been, has had prior convictions of theft by taking, impersonating a public officer, arson, forgery, burglary, arson along, arson's listed twice, uh, with theft by deception and, not, and was not eligible to release from jail until June of 2030. Young has been sentenced on assault and the RICO charges in 2010 has, has had him in prison ever since. Uh, officials said this time, while Young was serving his sentence, uh, began using a contraband cell phone in 2019 to try defrauding multiple heavy equipment dealers out of millions of dollars worth of equipment. They said Young was using the alias Morgan Sylvia and claimed he was purchasing uh, a purchasing officer for Abavi, a real biopharmaceutical company. Uh, they said he would then order the heavy equipment, uh, which would be delivered in or around Ranger, Georgia, where he and his family lived, claiming the company was building a facility in Ranger. Officials say that equipment would be put up for sale on Craigslist. <laughs> Young was able to acquire a variety of construction equipment by communicating with the dealers via phone, text, and email while still in prison. He was able to complete credit applications, purchase orders, sales contacts, and insurance documents, which he would send back to the dealers as part of the scheme. Officials said he was able to send the dealers a fraudulent corporate resolution document allegedly signed by company officers, but those signatures were in fact forged. The U.S. Attorney's Office said Young was able to order nearly $3 million worth of equipment from six different dealers. They said that most of the dealers were able to catch the fraud before shipping the equipment, but Young was still able to get four pieces sent to him with a value of over half a million. He was able to sell some of the equipment online and use the money to purchase two Chevrolet trucks. The Gordon County Sheriff's Office was able to recover all the stolen and sold equipment. A federal judge sentenced Young to seven years in prison for the crime, followed by three years of supervised release, 
and the judge has ordered him to pay back $30,000 to the online purchaser of the stolen equipment. The judge also said the new sentence will run concurrently with the state's sentence he currently is serving. That's kind of stupid. Why would you run it concurrently? But whatever. Young schemed yeah. to steal millions of dollars worth of heavy equipment while serving a sentence for assaulting a police officer. Uh, inmates should think that the crimes they commit from prison will go unpunished just because they are already incarcerated. As in this case, inmates who commit crimes from behind bars face additional federal prison time to be served after their state sentences. And why are you saying that, asshole? Because he's not. He's, he sentenced him concurrent. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, uh, when you have uh, concurrent or consecutive, so you can, be serve, you can serve time on multiple sentences at the same time. So the same three years you're sentenced for one crime, you're already serving because you're sentenced... You want it to be consecutive so it keeps building and you stay longer. But no, they, they sentenced him concurrently. So he's not... And that $30,000, they're never going to see that. that. That money's gone. Uh, the use of contraband cell phones by inmates as a tool to continue carrying out crimes from behind the walls of the facility will not be tolerated. Well, apparently it's been tolerated for a few years. You guys suck. Uh, Georgia Department of Corrections Commissioner Timothy C. Ward said, We are grateful to our law enforcement partners on every level for ensuring justice is served on this individual for his role in jeopardizing both the safety and security of our facilities and the safety of the public. Yeah, they made you look like a horse's ass, too. Uh, Oh, did they? Oh, yeah, they did. We are very pleased this matter has been brought to a successful conclusion through the combined efforts of our partners. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Shut the fuck up. You you dropped the ball so bad. So bad. Uh, Not even dropped the ball, man. They weren't even fucking carrying it. Like, come on, man. You know, don't get me wrong. You know, to to uh to our esteemed colleagues in the in the field of corrections who actually do their fucking jobs. Yeah. You know, good for you, whatever, whatever. But this is clearly like people are people are not searching. You know, they're all they're doing is going like they're to an ocular pat downs of cells. Like, if the like, come on, man. I, I understand the guy having a cell phone. Like, contraband gets into a facility. It does. There's only there's, it, there's only there is only one way contraband such as a cell phone gets into a facility, and you know what it is, right? Mark. And you know goddamn well You're, what it is. Oh yeah, that's a crooked cop, man. And that's that's exactly oh my gosh. And here's the thing, he had that and phone that, for since 2019. Guess what? Yeah. That phone's battery is not that good. He's been charging it. Yeah. So, no, you have got crooked staff. The... Crooked staff. Oh yeah. But still, the staff that aren't crooked aren't aren't doing their searches. They're just as bad. Like how well, uh, well, I understand that. I'm just like that whole system down there, man. They need to take it. To, it's not just the down there. The it's, down. it's corrections throughout this whole country. It's, if you oh, do, if, if no you do, if you do your job, the, even the staff is like, "Why are you making our job harder?" Yeah, fuck you. I'm sorry. I, I just have, true, I have a, I have a problem with 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 crooked law enforcement. I just do. Yeah, we kind of went off on a rant there. Um, going back to dude, though, that, that's a real impressive hustle. I mean, impressive hustle. I'm giving him a four. Um, me too. Just me because too. because oh, the, oh. the amount involved and the fact that 
he's perpetuating the corrupt law enforcement that is there apparently. Anyway, let's go to W. I'm sorry, go to KRQE.com. Uh, this is local reporting you can trust. New Mexico police chief faces charges for impersonating a police officer in battery. Buck, you have not read this story yet, have you? No. How can a police chief be charged with impersonating an officer? Go. Mm. Come on. Uh, well, if you were in an area that were not his jurisdiction is the only time I can think of. Like, if you were in, like, a foreign country or, like, a Virginia state police officer can't bust somebody in Pennsylvania. But can't they? I don't... I, I, I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really taking a shot in the dark here, man. I'm just... I really don't know. Like, I hope that you give me the answer. Maybe I'm right. You're, you know, I'm you really are, just... Uh, you're, you're pretty close. This has been in Carlsbad, New Mexico. A New Mexico police chief has been charged with impersonating a police officer, but how can that be? It's because he made a traffic stop in a different town other than where he works. And this is not the first time this lawman has been in trouble with the law. Loving police chief Frank uh, Methola was in Carlsbad when he made the stop, and the district attorney says he did not have the right to do that. He's now facing two misdemeanor charges from the traffic stop on August 26th. Mathola was in a marked, loving police patrol unit as he entered the city limits of Carlsbad. He attempted a traffic stop on a white pickup truck after the driver failed to come to a full stop. The uh, criminal complaint states Mathola then followed the vehicle until he came to an, uh, a stop at Old Cavern Highway and Rose Street in Carlsbad. Mathola was in full uniform and displayed his loving police badge. The driver of the truck started yelling at Methola, stating that he did not have any jurisdiction or authority to pull him over. Chief Mothola then tased the driver, placing him in handcuffs and detaining him. The driver was never arrested or issued a citation. This is not the first time that loving police chief Frank Mothola has been charged. He, when he was a uh, Valencia County deputy, he totaled two units in 2009 and 2010. The deputy is on a suspension for a prior incident, but like I said, it's under internal affairs investigation, in addition to actually investigating the crash from the state police, said Deputy Chris uh, Trulio from the Valencia County Sheriff's Department. Mathola pled no contest to one of the two crashes uh, to not operating his lights and sirens when he hit another vehicle. He had to apologize to the other driver. Investigators said that Mathola does not have or has never been issued a commission card by the Eddy County Sheriff, which means he is not allowed to make traffic stops in that county. The Eddy County District Attorney charged him with impersonating a police officer and battery. Investigators tried three times to interview Chief Mathola and could not get him to talk. Uh, News 13 reached out to the Eddy County Sheriff's District Attorney I'm sorry, district attorney and sheriff for comment, but the district attorney did not get back and the sheriff did not want to comment on an active investigation. Uh, the news agency has also called the Loving Police Department and was told they did not know about the charges and would not speak to the, uh, they'd have to speak to the public information officer for comment who was not in on Monday. Chief Frank Mathola will be arraigned on charges on December 20th. So, Good. Close! Uh, now, a lot of places have... Uh, agreement like mutual aid agreements so that they can uh, enter other people's jurisdictions and, and, and effectuate arrest 
uh, in, in a lot of states, uh, peace officers uh, have an obligation to uh, prevent on-site felonies and detain somebody until the local uh, police arrive. But in this particular instance, this county does not allow outside agencies to conduct police business unless they are issued uh, the proper credentials to do so. And this chief was not. <laughs> and then he went on and tased and and detained the man uh, without without issuing any citation or anything. Yeah, for a rolling stop. <laughs> like. I'll tell you what, man. I mean, like, there, like, if there weren't reasons to get tased, I'm sure police officers wouldn't carry them. But I am one thousand percent positive that in any force continuum that is written anywhere, a traffic running a traffic like a like a stop sign, a rolling stop is not is not a tasable offense. Like, <laughs> I, I'm sure like, that when they said the guy started yelling at him, saying "You're going," blah, 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 I'm sure that's what escalated the issue, but. He never should have been in that position to begin with. Uh, the detainment was unlawful on its face. So the guy actually, in most jurisdictions, would be entitled to defend himself. So you, there, there's a lot there that a lawyer would have a lot better time explaining than I would. Uh, but long and short of it is somebody needs to lose their police credentials immediately and be barred from law enforcement for their life. Yeah. Like, how does a guy like that make chief? Oh come on! We know we know we, we know departments where people get promoted all the time. They have no business even carrying a gun. That never happens. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But no, man. I mean, like seriously, what kind of fucking dickweed is this? I mean, come on, man. Come on. I'm gonna I'm gonna give this dude like this guy's just a danger, man. I'm gonna have to go up to a four and a half. Yeah, like I, he's just I, I usually reserve the fives for people that are um uh actually do harm to other people or or, or when there's death involved. But th- this is like so close to a five for me just be the fact that this dude has no business being in law enforcement and this is somebody who's typically covered under qualified immunity. No, I'm sorry. This is like this is so close to a five for me that it's ridiculous. Well, Buck, that is unfortunately all we have this week. Uh, we thank everyone for listening to us on a daily ba- or a weekly basis, rather. God dang, can you imagine if we did this on a daily basis? That'd be so much fun. <laughs> but see, you have you have a job. I do. Like I I I don't I don't have like. Nope. I thrive in retirement, smacking life from the gold tees over here. But no. I agree, man. Thank you guys so much for, for everybody coming in and listening and enjoying us once a week, and we love to have you here. That being said, folks, uh, make sure you like, subscribe, comment, do whatever it is, whatever, what medium you're listening to us on. And remember, it doesn't cost you anything. The only thing we ask that you pay is attention. Uh, we will see you next week on another edition of the Social Liability Podcast. 